get hot. I got a lot of. I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down, so it was straight. And then watch the hair come back up again. They look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap, and I've loved kids jumping on my lap. gentlemen is the elderly man pretending to be president who will be giving the State of the Union speech tonight. I, in contrast, am Dave Rubin. Today is February 7th, 2023. This is the Rubin Report. As always, we are doing a live post-game show on Locals. If you'd like to join us at rubinreport.locals.com. And yes, the State of the Union is tonight. And regardless of what the reality of the State of the Union is, uh, you can be assured that the people who will hand him the paper that he will read poorly from will write something to the effect of the State of the Union is strong. And all of the people will applaud and then everyone will leave and they'll go eat their fancy meals and they'll laugh at us as they take more of our tax money and figure out new ways to censor us and tank the economy and get us into wars and a whole bunch of other stuff. Now, obviously, because the State of the Union is tonight, we'll focus on the clips and everything else uh, tomorrow. Uh, but I did get, this is incredible video. This is really wild video. Uh, we found video. I was sent this video, well, I can't even say who I was sent it by because this is serious stuff. Somebody sent me this video of how they prepare Joe Biden for the big talk tonight. Uh, and when you watch this, you may note that they're not gonna actually say his name. They say another name, and that's because they use an alias, obviously, at the Institute. Anyway, this is wild video. We just got this. You guys are seeing this for the first time. This is incredible. Undergoes a series of medical treatments designed to cheat death for another week. First, Mr. Burns' chiropractors perform a slight spinal adjustment. Uh, ooh, ah, ah, ah. Then a team of doctors administers eye drops, painkillers, and a vocal cord scraping. Don't worry, you won't feel a thing till I jam this down your throat. The whole ordeal leaves Mr. Burns twisted and disoriented. The most rewarding part was when he gave me my money. But Honestly, guys, I'm not sure that's that far off from what they really do to Joe Biden. Like, you know they inject him with stuff. You know he's got to take some pills. Like, remember during one of the debates, which one very early on in the Democrat debates, when his eyeball just exploded and there was just blood filling up his eye? Like, whatever they put him on for these things, somehow... To the credit of the doctors, it gets him through these things, but whatever. We shall see what happens tonight. So we're not going to focus too much uh, on that tonight. A little bit of sort of what he'll be talking about towards the end of the show. Uh, but really what I wanted to focus on today was there is some more crazy stuff going on in Canada. And I know anytime I talk about Canada on the show or Justin Trudeau specifically, we, we get just a crazy amount of email and comments and messages from Canadians who are so appreciative 
uh, that somebody in the United States is talking about the craziness in Canada, whether it was the draconian lockdowns or whether it was the way that the government, uh, Trudeau's liberal government, uh, treated the truckers and the protesters and that whole thing, or just anything we do on Canada related to free speech, uh, because Canada was once a great Western nation and it is, I would say, hanging on by a very tenuous thread. Uh, and the policies that Justin Trudeau is pushing in Canada are the same policies that I think we're gonna see more and more of in the West. Uh, fortunately, we here in the United States still have the First Amendment, which is protecting us. Uh, but you will see, it's not just Justin Trudeau and it's not just you know some bad actors in New Zealand or in Australia, it's that the United Nation, uh, United Nations wants to crack down on free speech and much more. So I wanna start here with a video uh, explaining what Bill C-11 is in Canada. Uh, this is from a Canada outlet known as Canada Proud. Uh, they do a dissection of this bill, C-11, which has just passed the Canadian Senate. And man, if you don't think this is chilling, then I recommend you turn the channel and go watch The View. Trudeau's censorship dreams just got one step closer to becoming reality. On Thursday night, his internet censorship bill C-11 passed the Senate and has been sent back to the House of Commons for final approval. What does it mean for you if this passes? It means the Trudeau government gets to manipulate your social media algorithms. It means they get to decide what you see online on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, you name it. The bill is ostensibly designed to protect Canadian content creators, yet content creators don't seem to want it. Prominent YouTubers, artists, and even writers like Margaret Atwood have all spoken out against his online censorship regime. So what is this bill actually meant for if the content creators it's supposed to protect don't want it? It's simple. It's meant to control what you see. Your algorithms will all be manipulated so that you only see what the Trudeau liberals want you to see. No more interesting foreign documentaries for you, only boring, Trudeau-approved Canadian content promoting the values and interests of the Liberal Party. This dangerous bill must be stopped. Freedom of speech and expression is a fundamental Canadian value, and the creepy control freaks in Trudeau's Liberal Party have no right to take it away. Canadians should have the right to read and watch whatever they want online. It certainly shouldn't be Justin Trudeau's job to decide. If you agree, share this video. Okay, so you must understand that C-11 has already passed in the Senate. Now, obviously, some of uh, the way that video was framed was, was a bit heavy-handed in terms of what could happen in the future. Uh, but does anything surprise you guys at this point? Uh, the idea that the government, that the Canadian government in this case is going to control more of the internet, well, certainly it shouldn't surprise you, uh, but it's, it's a direct extension of everything that Justin Trudeau has been about from day one. He came in with his gay affect and his nice socks, and he became the most authoritarian leader in the history of Canada. The fact that Canada, right now, you know, Canada's main broadcaster is the CBC, so they get state-funded news already. That's how the liberals maintain control. And then they're always going after the independent journalist outfits like Rebel TV. Rebel TV, you guys know from Ezra Levan and Avi Yemeni, a bunch of guys who went over to the World Economic Forum and did actual journalism there, right? Got in the face of Albert Borla from Pfizer, uh, got in the face of John Kerry and a whole bunch of those other guys actual journalism. It's, it's hard to believe that it still exists. Uh, but now C-11 is going to make it that much harder for an outfit like the Rebel, which is doing great work, 
to be able to get their information out there. We don't know what algorithm, we don't know what right now before C11 is put in, we already know that we are screwed at some level when it comes to the algorithmic tricks, like your ability to even see this video right now. We have no idea what YouTube is doing to either ensure that you see it or don't see it. I have no way of directly making sure that these videos get out to you, even if you subscribe to our videos. We know there's algorith algorithmic manipulation. By the way, this is one of the reasons that I created Locals and I'm so thrilled that the community is growing because you can always get uh, direct contact with me and I can always get in direct contact with you. So just quick promo here, rubenreport.lo. Look at that, rubenreport.locals.com. You don't have to pay a dime if you don't want. You can if you want to, but that way at least we can make sure everything gets to you. But so we already have big tech uh, censorship, right? We already have their algorithmic tricks and now they are trying to hardwire that into the system through the government, through this bill C-11 in Canada. And of course, this is a complete uh, extension of everything Justin Trudeau has done. You know about all the authoritarian nonsense, but how do these things happen? They don't just happen overnight. Justin Trudeau has been a politician for a long time and he has pushed on freedoms and talked about, you know, arresting people and fining people uh, if they use the wrong pronoun, right? That was Bill C-16, which is really what put Jordan Peterson on the map in Canada. Uh, they will freeze your bank accounts if you protest them. They will make sure that you can't peaceably, peaceably protest. Uh, they still will put preachers in prison in Canada uh, if they are not abiding by their ridiculous laws related to vaccines and everything else. So it happens slowly. You don't just wake up one morning and go, holy cow, the invasion is here. You can actually see the invasion on the horizon. Uh, this is something that Jordan Peterson told Rogan about a couple years ago. We've played this clip a few times, but I think it's perfectly uh, applicable to what's going on right now. I just don't understand how it gets to the point well, where- Well, th things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach, I, if I encroach on you and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm gonna encroach two millimeters. I'm gonna encroach right to the point where you start, start to protest, then I'm gonna stop. Then I'm gonna wait. Then you're gonna calm down. Then I'm gonna encroach again, right to the point where you protest. Then I'm gonna stop. Then I'm gonna wait. And I'm just gonna do that forever. And before you know it, you're gonna be back three miles from where you started and you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, oh, how'd I get here? And the answer was, well, I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone, and you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again, and you agreed. And perhaps we've all been agreeing one way or another, or most of us at least, one way or another over these last couple of years that would get us to a situation like Canada is in right now. But when you talk about that sort of encroachment on all of this, all you have to do is go back and listen to what Justin Trudeau has been saying for years to understand that this was the plan. Here is Justin Trudeau 10 years ago, and look who he just admires so much. Trudeau's meeting last week with a group of Toronto women was an example. Even with Sun TV watching for any slip, he was asked which country he most admired and referred to China. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start you know, investing in solar. 
how did none of those people sitting there throw an apple at him or like some, you know, rancid lettuce or something? Like, I'm the leader of the country and uh, I admire the basic dictatorship the most. And everyone sits there like, oh, the basic dictatorship, that's wonderful. We love the basic dictatorship. So he was telling the people of Canada what he was going to become. He didn't even have to hide it, which is rather extraordinary and probably should be something studied about the way people vote for people based on things that have nothing to do with freedom. It mostly has to do with socks and hair, something like that. But why do they want to make sure that they can control the internet in Canada specifically? Well, Canada was a pretty docile country, right? It's not a place, you don't think of Canada as a war country or with a lot of internal strife or racism or all of these things. Uh, but then during COVID, because of his policies, these people who were mostly like, kind of like, we're Canadians, there's a lot of room up here, there's not a lot of us, it's cold, we don't really fight with everybody. They finally had enough. He still, to this day, Justin Trudeau has not let go of his emergency powers related to COVID. We know all of the horrible things that he did, but why does he want control of the internet? He wants control of the internet because it used to be that in Canada, people only got their news from the CBC. As I said, the state funded news organizations. But now because of the internet, this thing with the, that Al Gore built with the pipes and all that, uh, because of that thing, people are waking up and they're not into the vaxes, they're not into the lockdowns, they're not into the masks, the mandates or anything else. So Trudeau has to go on TV and scare people about them uh, because they ain't into him. When you twist the facts or make things up for political gain, that's not responsible leadership. Recent studies show that misinformation on COVID has cost hundreds of millions of dollars and thousands of lives. Peddling misinformation and disinformation has serious and devastating consequences. And it's incredible, right? It's absolutely incredible. That is, as uh, my friend Viva Fry says, confession through projection. Everything he's saying there could be applied to him, not the people he's actually accusing it of when they twist facts. He twisted facts all the way down, all the way down the line when it came to COVID. Make things up for political gain. Remember when he said that the reason that the truckers were out there was because they were racist, white supremacist transphobes? Do you think that's really why the truckers were out there? Uh, and peddling misinformation. I mean, this, he, his, at least from a Canadian perspective, he's the number one misinformation specialist in the whole freaking country. Now, why is this interesting? You might be watching this going, well, I'm not Canadian. I don't really care about this. I don't really care about Justin Trudeau. I hope you do. But you might say, no, 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 it's not gonna happen here, whether I'm in the United States or elsewhere. This is a Canada problem. They voted for that schmuck, let them have it. Well, the problem is, that Justin Trudeau, who is a stooge of the World Economic Forum, we know that, we know that absolutely clearly, uh, he also is a globalist. A globalist is someone who believes that there should be one government over all of us, one ring to rule everybody, and that he will no longer be abiding by the laws of his country, he will be abiding by the laws of this giant monolith that will dictate to everyone how to live. Uh, one of the other organizations besides the World Economic Forum that is very much in line with that psychotic uh, dystopian ideology is the United Nations, which at one time, 
I don't know, maybe 50, 60 years ago, was actually a fairly decent organization that helped countries kind of come together and put some sense into the world and give us a world order that was actually somewhat decent. That has nothing to do with the United Nations of 2023. Uh, and here is the United Nations Secretary General, I believe this is yesterday. Uh, and yes, he wants to make sure that they crack down on you. We'll call for action from everyone with influence on the spread of mis- and disinformation on the internet. Governments, regulators, policymakers, technology companies, the media, civil society. Stop the hate. Set up strong guardrails. Be accountable for language that causes harm. And as part of my report to our common agenda, we are convening all stakeholders around the code of conduct for information integrity on digital platforms. And we'll also further strengthen our focus on how mis- and disinformation are impacting progress on global issues, including the climate crisis. So if we had a president who was competent or remotely pro-America or something like that, I would be 100%, 100% for the president of the United States to first off kick the United Nations out of New York City, right? We're footing the bill on a whole bunch of this stuff. And there's always these stories every year about how none of the ambassadors or any of the people from other countries, they don't pay their parking tickets in New York City, right? Uh, just as one little small example of the negligence of these people. But I would have no problem kicking that guy out of the country. That we foot the bill to have this crazy giant building where you ra run rampant with your anti-Western, anti-free speech, uh, anti-decent anti society nonsense, where the Human Rights Commission is usually run by Syria and Lebanon, and you get up there in a place that, that defends free speech, a country that is the beacon of free speech in the entire world, and you dare get up there in what was once a great city, not so much anymore in New York City, and you talk about how you are gonna pressure governments to step down and clamp down on free speech, that you want more guardrails, you wanna watch out for language, well, sorry, tough guy, we've got the uh, First Amendment in the United States and it's backed up by the Second Amendment and uh, you ain't gonna do it here. The First Amendment is still the jealousy world over. There are many other countries that unfortunately will abide by these globalist uh, dictates because they don't have, it's not baked into their founding, their founding documents that you are allowed to say what you think. And what's also interesting is these big tech companies that he's trying to apply this pressure on, many of them are American companies. So Elon Musk, I'm fairly certain, is not going to bend to this guy's will. Some of them, uh, Facebook, some of the other ones, again, they're still American companies, but they might be more inclined to do that. Uh, Elon Musk saw that video going around on Twitter, and this is what he responded with. The UN is more likely to cause rather than prevent disinformation. Ain't it the truth? So we have some good people fighting, but why do they want to censor, right? Like you can, you can censor people. There's a certain power in it. I don't like what you say. You can't say it, but really why are they censoring? Why is it that Justin Trudeau wants to make sure that rebel news cannot criticize his government? Uh, they want power, but, but how do you get power? You get power by controlling the culture. That is what so much of what we talk about here all the time is about. And when you control the culture and you control information, you can pretty much do whatever you want. And unfortunately, we've been letting that happen even here in the United States for quite some time. This is an oldie but a goodie. It's worth repeating. Uh, here is Jen Psaki. I have not shown a video of her in quite some time. This is July of 2021, confirming that the Biden administration actually does flag posts 
to Facebook, for Facebook to silence you. This should have taken down the entire administration as a direct violation of our First Amendment, whether it meant that she had to be fired or if it had been ordered by Joe Biden or whoever was at the CIA or the FBI, somebody should have been fired. Nobody got fired. Jen Psaki did get a cushy gig for a couple million a year over at MSNBC. Here's Psaki. Uh, this is a big issue of misinformation, specifically on the pandemic. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with. Uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. Flagging posts, helping certain things be seen by boosting them, et cetera, et cetera. This should have taken down this sham administration right then and there. It was a direct assault on our First Amendment and we all let it happen. We all let it happen. It was on us. But again, why are they censoring a certain set of people? Is it because people like me and people like you are really disinformation specialists? Are we misinformation specialists because we were skeptical of a vaccine that now it has become very obvious you should be skeptical of because we didn't want to hide in our homes and we didn't want to sacrifice the known world on their altar of quote unquote science. But they're doing all of this because they want to control the culture. They want to control the narrow pathways that we're allowed to look at the world through. And if you want to see how they want to control the culture, uh, we're going to have to show you a clip from MSNBC, the televised mental institution. Uh, this is Joy Reid, who is a neo-racist. I think she's probably uh, unwell mentally. This is the same woman who, after that shooting in Evalde, where that uh, kid shot 18 kids and I think three teachers, her show the next day, she led it by saying that he was not mentally ill, but this was only about guns. I mean, this woman is is really, really bananas. And I know I say bananas a lot, but this woman is a basket of rancid bananas. Um, here she is talking about how the left is winning the culture war. Now note the glee she's, she expresses this with, and listen to all of the things that she describes as wins. And then you really think about it, if, if this, what she describes is the America that you wanna live in, the America that your parents wanna live in, that your grandparents maybe came here for, and what say, I don't know, maybe Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was all about. I hadn't watched in years, but I actually really enjoyed it. Although I'm not sure everybody else did. It was, to put it mildly, a celebration of the very thing the American right has turned into its latest anti-wokeness boogeyman, diversity, equity, and inclusion. The show opened with Puerto Rican singer Bad Bunny singing 99% in Spanish. Then host Trevor Noah walked and talked through a room that was diversity, equity, and inclusion in human form. The first country Americana artist to perform, Brandi Carlisle, was introduced by her wife and daughters. We saw the first trans artist win a Grammy, Kim Petras, who has a hit song with Sam Smith, the British singer who came out in 2019 as non-binary. Black acting superstar Viola Davis became an EGOT, winning a Grammy to add to her Golden Globe, Oscar, and Tony Awards. Lizzo performed with her amazing choir of many sized singers. The culture wars are over and the left won, like total defeat. <laughs> I can only imagine the heads exploding in red states. 
I imagine Ron DeSantis is somewhere stalking through his governor's mansion trying to figure out how to ban the airing of the Grammys in Florida and take away CBS's tax exemptions. No educational value, queer theory, black music. <laughs> it's a helpful reminder that despite the almost hysterical war the right is waging to take the culture back to the John Wayne era, they are not just losing. They literally cannot win. Actually, lady, you literally cannot win because of our founding documents. You are a racist. What you care about most is the color of a singer's skin. You also seem to care if they're fat, that counts as diversity. You're obsessed with their racial makeup and their ethnic background and their sexuality and whether they chop their genitals off. And you think that's winning? It's funny because you're on MSNBC which basically nobody is watching anymore. It has a cultural relevance because you've got NBC behind it. So you have one of the world's largest corporations behind it. But me on this little show that we do here with my ragtag group of people, we have more people who watch this show on a daily basis with no budget other than the one that our subscribers afford us and whatever we make on ads. And we're, we are doing something that is way more culturally relevant. Actually, you're at the end of the rope. You're at the end of the rope of bad ideas when you literally want equity. You want to count the amount of black people you have and you want to count the lesbians and the trannies and everything else. That's what you want to do and you want to do it in the name of diversity and everything else. But actually what you hate most is diversity. You hate actually people who think differently than you. I accept that people think differently of me and I can make room for them uh, in a country that I live in. Uh, but Ron DeSantis is not coming for the Grammys. And not only are your uh, ratings at MS MSNBC trash, but nobody, everyone that watched the Grammys, I mean, yes, there's this little sliver of people that watched to enjoy them, but basically everybody watches just the clips so that they can mock them. And when you guys do your little devil worship with the trans guy and the half whatever girl and all of this stuff, you're actually showing how exasperated and ridiculous your movement has gotten. Uh, Grammy viewership, actually, uh, on a technical note, has been sinking year over year, every year since 2011. So you tell me how you're winning, Joy Reid. Tell me about that. Uh, but it continues, of course, on MSNBC. Uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones uh, is uh, one of the, uh, much like Joy Reid, one of the race traders that we have in society today. And uh, here she is lying about the AP course and DeSantis and African-American history and all that stuff. History of black Americans is so inconvenient to the, the narrative of America that there are you know, powerful interests that haven't ever wanted us to grapple truthfully. That's why we have uh, Governor DeSantis banning AP African-American studies um, in Florida. That's why we have all these so-called anti-critical race theory laws that are trying to make it more difficult to teach about racism and to teach about um, what black Americans have experienced. Because if you acknowledge that, then you have to acknowledge that we we were founded on these great ideals, but we have not lived up to them. There's so much stupidity and everything they say is an obfuscation of the truth. Okay, as you guys know, so we don't have to belabor the point. He did not ban an honest assessment of American history or black history. Black history is a part of American history. Uh, he did not want critical race theory, which is a political ideology 
that is deeply anti-American and based in equity, not in equality. He did not want that being taught on top of the fact that they had somehow combined gender queer theory into the AP African-American studies course. So he, of course he did the right thing. But everything that these people want is to undo all of the goodness of America. That's all they want to do. And Nicole Hannah-Jones sits there. There is no doubt she has millions of bucks in her pocket that she got through the 1619 Project, which had all sorts of flaws in it that the New York Times slowly corrected over a series of time. Uh, this country, the founding principles of this country were not slavery. We fought a war to end slavery pretty frequent, pretty freaking, freaking, pretty freaking quickly in our, after our founding. Uh, and more and more people want to come here still than any other place on earth, including her, which is why she doesn't leave. She also figured out how to uh, live in a pretty swanky condo, it looks like, up in the hills somewhere. That looks like maybe it's LA. Uh, so she's doing okay. Uh, but what they really want to confuse you about Instead of looking for a positive vision of the future where, say, we have equality and people don't care about skin color and they don't care about race and gender and any of those things, she wants us just to keep focusing on shit that happened 400 years ago. Uh, but actually, it's not even the shit that happened 400 years ago. It's the distortion of reality that she's focused on from 400 years ago. And I think what we have to decide as Americans is, is which country do we want to be? Do we want to be the country that begins in 1619 with the practice of slavery? Or do we want to be the country that was conceived in 1776 with the ideas of liberty and equality? Um, I think that is, uh, that's unknown. I think we always uh, are seeing the tension and the fight between these two halves. Really bizarre because lady, you should want to be the country that we were that we are actually, except for people like you, that we were founded in 1776, a group of people who did not want taxation without representation, who wanted self-rule, who created documents that freed more people in the history of the world than any other place, that people that we literally, it is in our DNA to take people with nothing and bring them here so that they have a freaking chance and we don't have a caste system and people are allowed to work their way up and that's why every single one of you watching this have a better life than your grandparents had and your, certainly than your great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents and everything else and that still is the reality even today despite everything that our current administration is doing. Uh, but she wants you to focus on slavery, which of course, when, when they want you to focus on slavery, and everyone should learn an honest assessment of slavery. Slavery is a horrific blight on the history of America. It's a horrific blight on the history of many Western European nations and Eastern European nations and African nations. Yes, black people also enslaved black people, uh, but they want to keep you focused on things that you had nothing to do with so that they can control your life more now. It's as simple as that, because at some point they want, they want to actually break the idea of America. These people fundamentally do not like freedom. They don't like the idea that freedom on the margins is a little bit messy and it isn't a perfect, perfect explanation of everything. And some people using their own freedom will live a little differently than you. And that is the diversity that these people hate more than anything else. So the other thing that they're going after is the idea that the United States is exceptional and the United States is exceptional. Again, why does nobody leave? Why, give me the second best place. Give me, give me one place that's better. It's a better way to phrase it. Give me one place that's better, Hannah Nicole Jones. Give me one place that's better, AOC. And why don't you go there? 
instead of just complaining what a racist patriarchy here and wasting so much try time trying to destroy what these old racist white people created, why not go somewhere else? There's gotta be somewhere in Africa you wanna go. There's gotta be somewhere in Asia that must be much better. I'm sure those Asian countries aren't racist at all. I'm sure there's no racism against other Asian people in China or something like that. So they want to destroy the very foundation of America, which is the idea that we are exceptional because then you can put aside all of your nonsense, your skin color and those things, and then go get what you want. And that's what they hate. Here's Sonny Hostin of The View. The problem that I have is with this narrative of, of American exceptionalism exceptionalism that we've been taught since we were kids. I mean, I, I set the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, all through my life in school. And then when I got into college, I took an African-American history course. And I started realizing that the actual Pledge of Allegiance doesn't apply to a lot of our citizens. Well, they weren't informing us. Yeah, it hasn't we, yeah. met the, the dream of being exceptional. It hasn't met this country, hasn't met this dream of being this beacon on a hill. And so I think to, the Supreme Court has already ruled you can't force anyone to take the pledge. But I think until we really meet the, 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 the promise of what this country could truly be, uh -huh. then we shouldn't be touting us out as, as exceptionalists. Uh -huh. Sonny, leave. I really mean it. Leave America. Go somewhere else that you think is more exceptional. Go somewhere else where you can accomplish your dreams. You're a millionaire on television every day who just rails against the very system that let you, an untalented hack who is not bright, nor interesting, nor pleasant, uh, it has allowed you to become super rich and influential. So maybe there is something wrong with America, come to think of it. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it a little more clearly, America really did screw up because it allows people like Sonny Hostin to become uh, super rich and influential and everything else. Uh, the American founding was good. The Pledge of Allegiance is good. The ideas and these documents were aspirational. They were just people of their time who had to grapple with slavery and with inequality and women couldn't vote and all of those things. And we've consistently through time, just one after the other, knocked down the barriers that, that stopped people from being equal. But there's, see the other thing that they're doing here and that, that Hannah Nicole Jones does and that lunatic Joy Reid does and Sonny does is they think that somehow if you just give them enough power, they can create the perfect state. Right, And it's like, man, you guys can't create jack shit. You can make pretty bad TV shows, right? You can spread misinformation. You can spread hate and jealousy. Big part of it's jealousy. That's what you're really good at. So go somewhere else. I really mean it. Like you can go, nobody really wants you here. You, you guys, this is what you believe in. So why, why bother? There's just so many white supremacists here. Why bother? Well, you know what? They might be right at some level, which is that the country is struggling a bit. And we're gonna hear a lot of nonsense tonight from Joe Biden as he tries to confuse you about that. But it's struggling because of people like them, not despite people like them. It's, it's struggling because there are people like them out there who would love for this thing to fail. Uh, here's a video, a CNN poll, uh, saying that a record number of Americans are financially worse off under Biden uh, than they were before. This is related to all of this because this will give these America haters, the Hannah Nicole Jones, the Joy Reeds, and the Sonny Hossams, this will give them joy. Things are not going well here at the place that they don't like, so that must somehow be a good sign, wouldn't you think? 
And if you look at this poll, are you worse off financially since the president took office? Uh, this is in the Washington Post ABC poll. Uh, that's the highest number they've been polling for 37 years. And 41% of Americans say they're worse off since the president took office. That's the old Ronald Reagan question, right? Running for re-election, do you feel better off uh, than you were four years ago? So that's it. Right. So we all know that the average person is worse off. Go to the supermarket and look at the price of things. So if your salary stayed roughly the same and the price of eggs is now $8.99 for a dozen, or they don't even have eggs at all, or the price of the couch that you want to buy, or the t-shirt, the jacket, whatever it might be, if all the prices are going up because of inflation and your salary is staying the same, then you are losing money. So everyone understands that this inflation thing is out of control. Uh, well, everyone except one guy. There's this one guy who doesn't really understand it. And even as the job market reaches historic highs, inflation continues to come down. Inflation has now fallen for six straight months. Gas prices are down more than $1.50 a gallon since their peak. Food inflation is falling as well. And as inflation is coming down, take-home pay for workers is going up. Real wages are up. Wages for lower-income, middle-income workers have gone up even more. I take any blame for inflation? No. Why not? Because it was already there when I got here, man. Remember what the economy was like when I got here? Jobs were hemorrhaging. Inflation was rising. We weren't manufacturing a damn thing here. We were in real economic difficulty. Everything that mind-muddled buffoon says is a lie. Everything he says is a lie. So we've got some info from Statista here. Between 2010 and 2020, uh, uh, inflation was basically around 1% to 2%, right? So things went up a little bit. The cost of things went up a little bit. The dollar was worth a little bit less. Uh, in 2021, Joe Biden was on the clock, 2021, uh, inflation was 4.7%. In 2022, that was just last year, uh, inflation 78 7%. Uh, when he talks about things like gas prices going down and things like that, it's like, yeah, because gas prices went up in such crazy ways that now you say, all right, they're down $1.50, but if they rose $4 and now they're down $1.50, they're still up. So every, and that's what you have to watch out for for tonight. When you're, when you're getting drunk watching this elderly buffoon poorly read off the teleprompter, you must understand that every single thing that they're gonna say is gonna be a confusion of reality because it won't have any context to it. Things are a little bit better because we made things so much worse, so it had to get a little bit better. Uh, here's Biden economic advisor Brian Deese uh, just repeating meaningless slogans that Biden tells him, and then the media writes uh, the repetitious nonsense that the two of them spout. Well, uh, on Friday morning when I was over with the president in, this, in South Court, um, he, uh, he, he said this, so I will just say what he said on Friday, which is that the state of the economy is strong. Oh, guys, the state of the economy is strong. He was over there and he talked to Joe Biden and Joe Biden said the state of the economy is strong and he said it to him. And then he got there and stood in front of the podium and said it to them. And then the journalists write it because that guy said it and he heard it from the other guy. So obviously the state of the economy is strong. It doesn't matter that your 401k is going down. It doesn't matter that the market is going down. It doesn't matter that car prices are going up and that food prices are going up. Joe Biden said it to him and then he walked over to this other office and then he said it to a bunch of people. This is what they do with everything. Here's more from this Deese clown. The first is to put the progress that we have made economically uh, into, back into the broader frame uh, that really 
compelled him to run for president uh, in the first place. And the broader frame around what it actually means to pursue what he refers to as a bottom-out, uh, middle-out, bottom-out, middle-out, bottom-up economic strategy. Just nonsense. And Joe Biden does not believe in a bottom-up economy. He believes in a top-down economy, which is why they love taxes. Democrats love taxes. They want to take more of your money and then occasionally give what was yours back to you. And they go, you see what we did? We're such nice people. Look at us. Look at us, right? What do Democrats do often, right, before elections? They suddenly cut taxes, right? Uh, you can see that Gavin Newsom does this sort of thing all the time. We're going to have a big tax cut. It's like, well, how about you just stop taking our money in the first place, but no, they can't do that. He, so Joe Biden, the idea that he wants a bottom, a bottom up economy, you'd have low or no taxes period so that people would have more of their money so that they could get out there and they could start small businesses so they could accomplish their dreams and they could hire more people and all of those things. If you were to cut, let's say my taxes, I could look at the numbers at the end of the year. I go, boy, you know, the, the government, well, I don't even have state income tax here in, in Florida, so that's pretty good, right? So I make more money by living in a free state, which is wild. I did not move here for that, but it's, it's, a, it's an incredible bonus. And I do think, and I will say it to DeSantis, we should start charging an entry tax before more of these zombies move here. But if you, I was to look at the books at the end of the year and go, boy, well, you know, the, the federal income tax is quite high, but it just got half, I would have more money then. Now, could I buy a, uh, an extra car? I suppose I could. We only have one car as a family here. We could use another car. Uh, but you know what I might do? I might go, you know, uh, my guys are working hard. Let's hire another person. And then someone else has a job and their life starts get, gets going. That would be bottom up. Bottom up would be that you wouldn't have crazy regulations on everything so that it becomes very hard to become a hairstylist because you have to get this license and that license and everything else. Or that to become a house builder because you have to have every regulation known to man or whatever it might be. So you're going to hear a lot of nonsense tonight, a lot of just blatant nonsense. But don't worry guys, Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked about it yesterday and Biden is heavily involved in what's gonna happen tonight. This speech tomorrow night. Well, as you know, the president is heavily, uh, as I've said many times, heavily engaged in the writing process. When you when you hear the speech, you're certainly here. Uh, there will be no question that this is a Joe Biden, uh, Joe Biden State of the Union speech. Uh, so just want to make that really clear. But, you know, don't want to get ahead of what you're going to hear from him. No question, guys. It's going to be a Joe Biden speech. I do believe Joe Biden will be the man up there reading it, but there, there is zero chance. There is just zero chance that Biden will write one freaking line in this thing. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not mocking the fact that they have speechwriters. Of course they have speechwriters. But the idea that Joe Biden is heavily involved, yes, I'm not going to say this, I am going to say this. It will be a miracle. It would be a miracle if Joe Biden was awake right now. They have to drug him. They have to give him the pills. They have to pull his face back and do whatever else they have to do with him. And then they get up there and they pray. You must understand these people pray to Satan or whoever they pray to, to just have him get through that speech without his head exploding or his eye falling out or his skin disintegrating like at the end of Indiana Jones, okay? Biden is not writing this speech unless, unless well, in the past he had written some, what, what was it? Because, yeah. It reappeared in the New York Times with a new charge that Biden had appropriated a famous litany from the late Robert Kennedy about what the gross national product cannot measure. It cannot measure the health of our children. The health of our children. The quality of our education. The quality of their education. The joy of their play. Or the joy of their play. Biden gave Kennedy no credit. 
He has also quoted or paraphrased John Kennedy, Hubert Humphrey, and British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock, all without credit. Joseph Biden admitted today that he committed plagiarism when he was in law school. He said it was a mistake, but that it was unintentional. He quoted five pages of someone else's work without proper citation. I've done some dumb things, and I'll do dumb things again. He was given an F. So, ladies and gentlemen, I've been dumb. That should be the line of the presidency. I've done some dumb things, and I'm going to do some dumb things again. Oh, my God, just ridiculous. Anyway, what's happening right now is that there is this feeling amongst the Democrat Party, like he got us through the midterms somehow, like he's still alive, whatever. But can he run again, right? Because we, this is all gearing up to the 2024 situation. And Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked about that because Democrats are finally starting to question, I, I would say his mental acumen, his physical health, and just like, do, should they just get rid of him at this point? He served the purpose. He, he, he did what the system needed him to do, and now the system can get rid of his old bones. That, uh, majority of Democrats don't want the president uh, uh, to seek re-election. They, uh, they're looking for a new generation of concerns about his age. Um, without getting into whether or not the president will, uh, will, will announce, does the president believe that he has to address those concerns from his own constituents? So, um, I, as you just laid out, I'm going to be very careful, covered by the Hatch Act. don't want to get into uh, the specifics of what 2024 is going to look like or any underlying uh, components of that. The president has been very clear. He intends to run. Um, and, you know, I think the way that we should look at this is uh, what we saw from the midterms. It's just so many words. It's just word after word, but they say absolutely nothing. But a girl like her, a gal like her, she's got to go down with the ship. Gay Pete's got to go down with the ship. They're all in on the nonsense. So they all have to be in on the nonsense until the pressure becomes so much to bear that they can get off and they will, they will gladly gladly bury Joe Biden in the name of continuing their careers. That is the beauty of this thing. Like this does not end well uh, for Joe Biden. Uh, but CNN uh, was talking about what's going on with the election. And, and this is interesting because they're now showing that a bunch of people, and I, look, I, not that I trust CNN, but here's some, some interesting polling. A majority of Americans don't want Trump or Biden, that maybe we're just moving past the old things. No repeats, please. That's the message from voters in a brand new ABC News Washington Post poll. The survey, crystal clear. Take a look. Broad majorities of Americans simply don't want Donald Trump or Joe Biden back in the White House come 20. Okay, so that's interesting, right? So most people don't want Trump, don't want Biden. Now, look, I happen to like Trump. Do I like DeSantis more? Do I think that he would be a better standard bearer for the ideas I believe in? And that he has he done a bang up job here and is surrounded by the right people and all those things? Yes, I do but I happen to like Trump and there are many situations in which I could end up supporting him and doing everything I could to make sure that he would be president and it would be far better, uh, obviously, than Joe Biden. But the simple truth is, how old is Trump is 78, if I'm not mistaken, and, and Biden is now 79 or 80 even, 81. These guys have to move on. There has never been a generation in modern times like these boomers who will not move on. Gen X, the people who are basically somewhere between, let's say, 35 and probably late 50s, I'm right in the middle of that, 46, are supposed to be in charge right now. But for some reason, the Hillary Clintons and the Nancy Pelosi's and the Mitch McConnell's and the Donald Trump's and the Joe Biden's and the list goes on and on, they will not get out of the way. I, I think there's, there's philosophical reasons for that and existential reasons for that and there's all sorts of reasons for that. It's a, it's a system that caters maybe to people holding on forever. 
uh, but it is time to move on. If, just think about how fundamentally different the world is now than it was in say year 2000, 23 years ago, right? 20, I remember in year 2000, it was right before 9-11 that I got my first phone. I had a, a Nokia little black and white phone that all you could do was make phone calls and it had that little, not even predictive text. You had to like press the thing the three times to get a certain letter and all it did had was snake on it. Spent a lot of time playing snake, probably a lot better than what most people are doing on TikTok now. Um, but that was the world that we lived in. There, it was before apps and the iPhone and internet and algorithms and all of those things. Joe Biden at that point, 23 years ago, was 24 years into politics. I think he's been in politics for 47, 48 years now. Do you think he's the best person to be running the country? Do you think Dianne Feinstein, who also has Alzheimer's and they hide her and she's 90 something years old, she's gonna run again? These people don't stop. And why is Nancy Pelosi running? For the children, the children, the children. Ah! These people are scary. They have to go away. Enough is enough. We need new blood. But speaking of new blood, uh, one of the things I've been telling you on the, on the positive note and how we can hold the line on this and actually reverse some of this stuff is that Republicans are getting balls. The fight that happened for McCarthy's leadership worked. McCarthy is actually starting to act strongly. Uh, he's cutting some of the funding on some of this stuff. That is one of the things that you can do in Congress. You can basically tighten the purse and not give the money to everybody all the time for every idiotic thing they wanna do. And of course, we're having this big fight now about the debt ceiling. Frankly, I would love for the government to shut down. I think one of the reasons they never shut, they're always threatening to shut down the government. The reason they never do it is because three days into it, a whole bunch of us would be like, eh, I don't need them. I don't need them. I'll figure out how to get to a national park. I'll figure out where the bathroom is. We'll figure it out. We just don't need them. Uh, so here's McCarthy calling out Biden's nonsense when it comes to the, uh, the debt ceiling. Now? President Biden wants Congress to raise the debt limit yet again without a single sensible change to how government spends your hard-earned money. None. Does that sound responsible to you? Okay, so you got to understand here that the outcome of this thing is that they will raise it again. And I, I don't like the idea of the United States defaulting on its debts. If you've ever had a friend that defaulted on a debt to you or you ever didn't pay your credit card and you hit your max limit, like just look at it that way. In your own personal life, we all have a credit card. There was a time where I was in credit card debt. I had to do debt consolidation. It screwed up my, my, uh, my credit score, all of that stuff. I had people calling me all the time. Uh, I'm debt free now. We're, we're good to go because I did work. I stopped spending, uh, spending money that I didn't have and I saved money and did all the right things. The government is allowed to endlessly spend money and then the creditor calls up and goes, hey, uh, uh, you know, uh, Joe, could we get our cash? We'd like our cash. And they go, no, 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 we just want a higher debt limit. Oh, okay, we'll just raise your credit limit. You could never operate like that if you were an individual or a business, but the government is allowed to. So what McCarthy's saying is, in essence, what he's subtly saying without quite saying is, look, we know we're raising this thing because this is what we do, right? This is just how the operation works. Uh, but at least could we get some concessions on the way? Could we get some cuts here? Is there any department that could be cut? Could we get, I don't know, could we cut catering at some of our uh, con congressional affairs? Could we do that? Or do we always have to have lobster? We love lobster, but do we always have to have lobster? But what I think is that the, uh, the DC Republicans, the national Republicans, they need to focus on that culture thing more because you guys know the quote, Andrew Breitbart, 
Politics is downstream from culture. If you get the culture, then the politics will change. It's not the other way around. And I think McCarthy is getting it on that as well. Here's McCarthy on China and how they are affecting our culture right now. Meanwhile, China is infiltrating our culture, our farmland, and our skies because they see us as weak. This is not sustainable. No, it's not sustainable. They have every kid in America on a Chinese spy app that we know about, known as TikTok. They, they floated a Chinese spy balloon over the United States and we let it happen. Do you think that if an American spy balloon was flying over China today, do you think they'd let it fly over for a week? What do you think? What do you think? I was even thinking about it this way. Uh, we spend a lot of time in the backyard here. It's Florida. It's beautiful. I got a nice pool. I got a basketball court. We're always out in the backyard. We're playing with the kids, doing all sorts of stuff out there. If my neighbor was flying a little spy balloon over the house or even a drone, I'm pretty sure I would do something about it. I would either go to the neighbor's house and demand that they take it out, or I do have a gun. At some point, you do something. But we need a group of people in government and in our cultural apparatus that have spines and start holding the line. I think McCarthy might be on that path. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the swamp is that all-encompassing and it's all smoke and mirrors. But, but when people start doing the right thing, you got to help them right? DeSantis started doing the right thing in Florida and then it built on itself like a snowball running down a hill and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. How about a snowball analogy for Florida? You got the idea. We have to return to the old ideas that helped create this country that made it exceptional. Okay. That's what we have to do. It's the reverse of the Sonny Hostin. It's the reverse of the Joy Reid. It's the reverse of the, is it Nicole Hannah Jones? I believe I called her Hannah Nicole Jones, who I'm sure is no good too. It's the reverse of Justin Trudeau. And with that in mind, allow me to pimp myself out for just a moment because yesterday we released a compilation video of all four of my PragerU videos, which were shot over the course of a little over six years now. And, and they tell a really great story about my political evolution, which I think has obviously been connected probably to your political evolution. And there are answers to some of this stuff. So I wanna show you just a, a moment, uh, just a minute of it right now. And we'll link to the full thing down below, which is up on Rumble and YouTube and Locals and everywhere else right, right now. I think everything that I've spent the last couple of years talking about is exactly what is needed in America right now. It's imperfect, I'm imperfect, you're imperfect. But if we fight for those ideals, and if we act a little bit more bravely and we turn back to some of those founding documents that sometimes seem old and irrelevant, I really think we can fix this thing. I'm Dave Rubin of The Rubin Report, stealing these short videos from PragerU to shoot this film. <laughs> whatever, whatever. All right, so you can get the full thing right now. As I said, it's on Rumble, it's on YouTube. It's about 25 minutes or so. It's a great, I think, sort of voyage of my own evolution that is just so relevant to what is happening here. And it's got the right ideas in it. Not only looking back at those documents, but being a little braver, saying what you think, things like that. Uh, so to end the show today, uh, because it is the State of the Union, we wanted to give you an old president. You know, we like the Reagan clips around here. And then we realized, I saw this morning, today would have been Ronald Reagan's 112th birthday. And I honestly believe that Ronald Reagan at 112 years old would be more functional and probably more alive than Joe Biden. So it's a darn shame that Ronald Reagan won't be given the State of the Union tonight. Uh, but here's one of, one of Reagan's classics. This is, this is just fantastic. Someone very profoundly once said many years ago that if fascism ever comes to America, it'll come in the name of liberalism. And what is fascism? Fascism is 
private ownership, private enterprise, but total government control and regulation. Well, isn't this the liberal philosophy? The conservative, so-called, is the one that says, less government, get off my back, get out of my pocket, and let me have more control of my own debt. You think that's going to be a stark difference to what you hear tonight? Do you think? Do you think? Uh, all right, we got a post-game show coming up at rubenreport.locals.com. The, con the uh, community continues to grow at a really, really nice rate. I hope you'll join us over there. My full interview with Michael Malice, which is really blowing up. Malice is a great, the Willy Wonka of politics, as I call him. Just a really great, funky political thinker. Uh, that's up across platforms. Uh, we leave you with a cold close, a little, uh, little humor from the Gipper, and uh, we'll see you in 39 seconds. By its very existence and character, Berlin remains the most compelling argument for an open world. We're reminded of the many traditions of openness and democracy that have marked the history of this city. Amer miss me. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.